This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You Okay? Welcome to the Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Burton. This is a show where we talk to people from across the sporting landscape and discuss issues surrounding mental health. The struggles, the successes and ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. And tonight we're going to pay tribute to a very special man, a footballer, a mentor and an inspiration to so many. And a man who sadly lost his battle with depression two years ago tomorrow. Danny Spud Frawley was a man we were all friendly with. He was such an engaging character. And in the heartbreaking wake of his death and the construction of the Danny Frawley Centre for Health and Wellbeing, it'll be a beacon for the community at large, combining a host of physical and mental health facilities, services and programs in the name of a man so passionate for the cause, helping to break down the stigmas surrounding mental health. Our guest tonight is a former AFL footballer who played alongside a spud at the Saints between 1991 and 1994, and he's now back at St Kilda helping bring the vision for the world-class complex to life. It is with my pleasure to welcome Sean Ralph-Smith, former teammate of mine as well, to the conversations that could for Are You OK? G'day, Smithy. Thanks, Dermot. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on, and you're going to tell us so much about the Danny Frawley Centre and what it means, what it's going to be doing, what it has done, how it was formed, who's involved. So, Shawnee Ralph-Smith, you played uh, five or six years with us at Hawthorne, a handful of senior games, and then you went on to St Kilda. I remember you as a fitness fanatic, a man who's more comfortable in his Speedos than any other man I've ever <laughs> witnessed in life. And now your boy is playing at Richmond. Is that is that he fairly is. accurate for a little recapture of your career? Nice recapture, Dermot. Thank you. Yep, Hugo's at Richmond, so that's really exciting. Now, as a dad at Hawthorne with you, I think I was the centre-half forward in the twos and you were the centre-half forward in the one. So what was I thinking that I was ever going to get a game? But, uh, <laughs> got a handful of games there. And then, uh, yeah, I went to the Saints and they turned me into a defender, which was much better for my career. I think I learnt trying to chase you around at training at a lockdown of forward, and so that was good for me, and I ended up, obviously, playing alongside Spud. Now, your your lad is uh, quite the athlete, and we used to always marvel at some of your capabilities. Uh, you, you were a bit of a schoolboy champion in the athletics track and field, weren't you? A little bit. Uh, did a lot of ats. Yabby used to describe me as an athlete <laughs> playing football. <laughs> I love the ass, but then love the footy at school. And that's probably why I got Hugo into little ass from the start to get him 
I loved it. So he ended up loving it. So he was a great runner. And that certainly helped him with his football because uh, he, he goes okay on that front. Yeah, he's a fantastic athlete. That's for sure. You then went to St Kilda, had a good career there, as we've just briefly touched on. And that brought you for the first time, I would imagine, into contact with uh, the great Danny Frawley. But it's more, it's, it's after your careers had finished, I believe, you have a stronger link with Spud Frawley. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, let not be, let me not be the one that makes out that I was great mates with Danny Frawley um, because there were plenty of people with much better mates with him than me. But, yeah, I kept in touch with him through the past players, uh, through functions, and later in life as we all got to the point where we couldn't run because of our football injuries, riding the bike. So I used to, uh, and I still do, ride my bike up and down Beach Road to keep fit. And uh, Spud used to do that a fair bit with his good mate and my mate, Mark Foley, who uh, we had a connection through to Spud with, who got him out onto the road. So I used to see him out on the road. And I guess when, you, when you're when you a cyclist out on the road, that you notice the people with personalities that come from different backgrounds. And I always notice that anyone who played football when you're riding in a little bit of a peloton with those weekend warriors, the guys who played footies are the ones that are yelling out and encouraging others. And everyone else has just sort of got their head down, just puffing away. And, Spud was certainly one of those. He'd be up the back of the peloton and you wouldn't even know he was there until he just yelled out and he'd yell out your name and call you weak or give you an encouragement to get going. Or It was all aimed at the right reasons, but you could hear him out there coming a mile away for sure. Now let's try and uh, paint a little bit of the picture for the listener about the personality that Spud was. I, I mean, a lot of people, you felt like you were friends with Spud because he was such an engaging character and he readily could share a joke and make you uh, uh, some of the humility or himself and, and it was quite an opening facet to his personality wasn't it that he he was quite self-effacing and he could take down others around him so it was a very engaging personality. He was. I reckon he was better at taking others down than taking a joke himself to him, but uh, he <laughs> he lit up a room when he walked into it. You always knew he was around. So so he's very inclusive. He welcomed you, and whether you were – and I've got lots of stories from other players that weren't as high profile as, as you or him uh, that he made feel really welcome, and that's the sort of personality he was, and I think um, – uh, that's the legacy he leaves with what we're trying to do at the club now with the Danny Frawley Centre, that to create a space that's really inviting and does justice to his legacy. Tell us about the Danny Frawley Centre, the, the, how it was conceptualised. I've come into it in the last 12 months. So I've been lucky enough to get on board working with Matt Finnis and the footy club to bring the vision to life, whereas it, it was probably had a year or two in the making in his vision and that of the footy club around building a centre that could complete the members' wing of Moorabbin. It's got a thousand-seat grandstand facing the ground, and then uh, with the facilities that are being built, it's both a both a physical centre as well as a mental health clinic. So upstairs, we're going to have mental health programs around early intervention and prevention for the community, uh, for past players, for for the local sports youth and school groups. Uh, and downstairs is a pool, a hydro spa, or a warm water pool, and a and a gym and recovery centre that um, really is brings the physical assets to life and and will bridge that gap between physical and mental health. Who was the first one who said, let's build something in the legacy of Danny Frawley? I would say it's the footy club. It's the board and it's the leadership of the footy club led by Matt Finnis that had the vision for building this. And then, look, out of tragedy comes great opportunity and, and the tragedy of, of Spud's passing allowed us to make that facility focus on mental health and what Danny stood for, for in terms of being really inclusive and helping others and 
talking about his challenges. And so um, it sort of came to life with further funding from the state and federal governments to really give it that focus on on mental health. There's a lot of people out there that are helping others with mental health issues, and I'm not an expert at all, but I've learned a lot in being involved at the Frawley Centre in recent times. But if anyone understands the mental health continuum, it goes from sort of mental fitness and thriving through health in reacting up to health injured and true illness around mental health. The Frawley Centre is going to focus on the early intervention and prevention, which is the left-hand side of the continuum. Although we're just starting to feel a few issues or reacting to certain stresses, uh, or just want to build um, a better version of themselves and, and really thrive in this world. So the programs that we want to run around that early intervention prevention rather than focus on critical treatment, which is left to the specialists. Let's go back to the the actual facility. Uh, who can use it, Ralphie? Upstairs, the health and wellbeing programs that we plan to run, and it's early days because we're hoping to kick them off in the new year in sort of February, March next year. They'll be programs that are fundamentally going to be for the community. Um, a lot of them I don't think will be charged for, so we'll have school groups through, we'll have... I think that we need to work with the youth and the sports youth of, of the community, but also their their coaches and their parents to teach them around the signs to look for if people are showing early signs and, and teenagers, et cetera, boys and girls are showing early signs of any challenges. And so we'll be running all sorts of programs around that awareness as well as early inter- intervention and prevention to give the youth the the skills to deal with the challenges, the stresses, some resilience and some capacity building to recognise some of their, their challenges and their feelings and work out how to deal with them. I'm Dermot Broden and our guest tonight is Sean Ralph Smith. Tonight we're paying tribute to Danny Frawley on the eve of the second anniversary of his death. And this is the conversations that could for Are You OK? Brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. Dare Iced Coffee a proud partner of Are You OK? More in a moment. It's impossible to, to nail down one word. <laughs> There's so many words to describe him. It's hard to put it in just one. <laughs> oh, There's so many, but definitely passionate. I just think he was the best. I just think every area he was the best. A teddy bear. Loyal. So that's loyalty to me as a mate. That would be loyalty to his footy club and most significantly loyalty to his family, his, his beautiful wife and his girls. Magnetic. 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 a good one. Loving as well. Missed. That audio there, courtesy of the St Kilda Footy Club. Welcome back to The Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Burden, and my guest tonight is Sean Ralph-Smith, former AFL player and Hawthorne and St Kilda player who is now back at the Saints as part of the team bringing the vision of the Danny Frawley Centre for Health and Wellbeing to life. Smithy, you've had your own uh, moments with Spud and and I believe there's another beautiful little story you have about springing him in action, so to speak. Yeah, look, it, it is a funny story. Um, uh, a couple of years ago when I was out at uh, Moorabbin watching uh, Hugo train at the Dragons and uh, it was before the old um, uh, grandstand was being pulled down and there was a bit of activity going up there in, in the stand and someone was up there with a sound like a chainsaw. And they were ripping out the old seats and uh, chucking them down onto the 
onto the ground where some of the parents were watching their kids trained. And I looked up and I could see um, Stewie Lowe up there and Spud Frawley. And, uh, you know, in typical fashion, you know, with the uh, OH&S and safety around work sites, uh, there were no cones out. There was no area <laughs> sectioned off for that Tim to be flying down. It was just hit, hitting the ground, you know. When Lowy tells the stories, it was about, he says it's about 50 metres away from where everyone was standing, but it was probably about 10. And uh, so I looked up and thought, I've got a voice here that could sound like I'm an official. And I went, Oi, what are you blokes doing up there? And uh, in, in a typical spud fashion, without even thinking about who it was, he's straight on the offensive. He goes, Who do you want to know? Who wants to know? It's just me. We're doing a job up here. And then I said, Ah, it's spud. It's Ralphie. And he, <laughs> he started, had this sort of funny laugh because he thought he'd been busted. He knew he was doing the wrong thing. But uh, he and Lowy were. They were determined to take those red, white, and black um, um, seats down from Moorabbin, and uh, Lowy was going to take them home and turn them into some of their own furniture as a as a bit of a keepsake. So they knew it was being demolished, and they were up there, up there doing their own job. And as Lowy said, they got about halfway through the job, apparently, and then Spud said, oh, I've got to go and pick up one of the girls or whatever, and he disappeared and left, left Lowy to finish the job and load it up into the ute and take it all home. So... Yeah, he was certainly a character. He was doing his own thing and uh, certainly his personality was to get on the front foot whenever he thought he was in trouble, I would say, and that was Spud. He definitely was the larrikin too, wasn't he? Absolutely, yeah. We touched a second a, a few minutes ago on Spud's belief that he, he thought, you know, the football club should be somewhere where retired players, players who'd, who'd finished their career, the football club was somewhere they should be welcomed back to. And, and I can tell you, even as a Hawthorne player, now that we've gone out to Waverley, most of our football was done out at uh, Glen Ferry. There's almost a disconnect and, and you feel like you're trespassing if you go out there now. And it, it's, a, it's a sad feeling. Um, and I know times move on. But there should be a real feeling of belonging to an establishment, a sporting establishment. And, and Spud saw this, didn't he? Absolutely. Uh, Spud talked to Matt Finnis a lot about um, the past players being made to feel welcome, that they um, had a, needed a sense of identity and belonging and that any uh, new development in the footy club need to make um, sure that past players did feel welcome. You and I know very well that there are not many players that leave their career of their own volition. So everyone ends up being delisted yep. and sacked and not many people leave very happy. So you go through this period of mourning as a past player and then at some stage you want to reconnect with your club and the clubs that do, do it really well make sure the players know that they're welcome at, at any turn. And that's what Spud really wanted to build. Um, I know Scotty McGuinness is on the Past Players Committee at, at Hawthorne and he's working on that. He's a good mate of ours. Um, and what we want to do is have some sense of true belonging through the Frawley Centre where past players have a, sp a place to go. Uh, they're known and they know that they're welcome and that we could actually have some activities that they uh, we might set up so that at the same time everyone might get access to the gym on a on a Tuesday night when it's not so busy or, or have functions there, of course, and we've got a a room up there that we think will be the past players lounge. It'll have a great image of Danny in it. It'll be used for other things as well, but, but that'll be a place to go for past players. And I think that when you finish your AFL career, a lot of people lose their identity um, when they finish. And the, it's up to the footy club. It's up to the AFLPA who do a great job to ensure that people are supported in that transition so that they know what to do next in their lives. 
And uh, I think the Frawley Centre is going to have a lot to do with that. And along with the Past Players Association at the Saints and others to really support past players and help them in what they're going to be doing next um, and make them feel welcome. You just need to make sure that you're welcome back. Um, Dermot, surely you feel welcome back at Hawthorne. Yeah, I do, but only because I've been on the board. But it's worth considering, yeah. though, there would be there would be a natural disconnect for some St Kilda players, and 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 I mean this with all sincerity and, and no hostility. But they they haven't had the greatest of success. They did move down to newer premises for a while. So those players who probably only know the, the Seaford facility as their home base of league football might not have that feeling, that affinity with, with Linton Street, RSEA Park. Is that correct? Did I say yeah. it right? Yes. Uh, yeah. They might not have that affinity. So the world changes for 99% of league footballers they're not like ex-tennis players or, or ex-English soccer players where they leave the game and, and, and they don't know what to do with the bucket loads of money. A lot of them leave and they still have to pay the rent. Most of them leave like that. Their bodies change, their mentality change, their working space changes. It's an enormously turbulent time in their life and they do need that place to feel like they belong. Absolutely. Um, and that goes for every footy club. The Players Association and the Past Players Association of Saints are really working on that. But our vision for the Frawley Centre is really about that, about building you know, healthy, connected and a thriving Saints community, but also for the Saints to be seen as as the organisation that's best in its class for looking after its players, both current and past, as they transition out of the game. So holistically looking after their wellbeing and making sure that they've always got someone to turn to and they're supported in life after football. So, yeah, the Senate uh, will will accommodate that uh, as well as lots of other programs for the community and other parts of the uh, audience that, audiences that they will have. But past players is a key part of it. What about the facility itself? You mentioned this. This, am I correct in saying there's two components to it? Downstairs is a more uh, physical element to the to the centre. Upstairs is more uh, to touch the emotion, uh, the emotional side. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, lap pool downstairs. We can see lap swimming. We can see learn to swim programs. There's a warm water pool for recovery and and hydrotherapy and and a gym and um, recovery centre where we think we're going to have high-end, high-tech recovery like, you know, float tanks and infrared saunas and uh, compression um, pants, et cetera, for accelerating recovery for athletes. So that that's something that will be used well by the community and the players. And upstairs really is, um, it's being built in a way that's very welcoming, you know, soft finishes, timber floors, greenery, welcoming space, um, calming environment where people can come, where programs will be run in, in sort of a, a classroom set up or in other more intimate settings. Um, and the programs that will be run, as we say, you know, early intervention and prevention programs uh, that are evidence-based that can really help people <clears throat> in their transition or in their challenges in life. And in Danny's name, he was one that wanted to make sure that if people feel like they had a problem, they could put their hand up and talk to someone and we want to make sure when they come to the Brawley Centre, they realise that they're welcome and that they've made the right decision in coming in and that we have people in there that can talk to them so that they they, they realise that they have made the right call in, in reaching out for help. And we may end up directing them to some experts if they're in 
in real trouble or we could just help them along the way and invite, to, invite them to some of the programs and have someone to talk to. We're talking with Sean Ralph-Smith. He is a former league player with both the Hawthorne and later the St Kilda Football Club. He's involved with the construction and the running of the Danny Frawley Centre at RSEA Park. I'm Dermot Brereton and our guest tonight is Sean Ralph-Smith and this is The Conversations That Could, brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. When your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? More with Sean in a moment, and if our conversation has raised some issues for you, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Welcome back to The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Well, I was at the MCG, did a game, and uh, it was amazing. I had to call Anita up and I was sitting in the car park. There was no one else there for an hour and a half and I had to call her to work out how to get home from the MCG, which was, I'd done that for 30 years. I got home and I took, she goes, just take the dogs for a walk. One of my dogs, um, and this was on dusk, and got back and thought I lost one of the dogs and just basically sat down and I could say it now, just cried for... For, for two hours, I just thought, this this is not happening to me. What's going on? It was always, I'll wake up in the morning, it'll be okay, and work it off, because that's what happened when you're a competitor. You just, you don't want to let people know you're, you're hurting, and no more than my family. But Anita, you know, she was the one that um, could see it, what was happening, and I was angry at home. I was, you know, as I said, I didn't sleep for three weeks, which is quite silly when you think about it. You know, after the first couple of nights, I should have been a bit more honest and, and forthright about it. I'm Dermot Burton and our guest tonight is Sean Ralph-Smith and this is The Conversations That Could for Are You OK? Brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. Tonight we're paying tribute to Danny Frawley on the eve of the second anniversary of his death. Sean Ralph-Smith, we both knew Danny Frawley. What are some of the learnings you take out of this tragic situation and some of the learnings that people should take out of this? It's a good question, Dermot, and um, as I've been involved in learning more about mental health through this um, through this process and helping setting up the, De- the Frawley Centre and, and what Spud really, really stood for, he, he goes on record as saying that, you know, in the past, you know, he was a spud farmer, did a hard day's work, and if, you, if you've got an issue, grab a tissue was something I heard him Heard him say in a recording once, and 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 now and then he he got to the point where he was actually sharing his story. He, everyone knows that he had a, a significant breakdown. He had his own challenges. He was working um, with a psychologist to um, get better. And if you listen to some of the recordings before he passed away, it sounded like to some extent that he he dealt with it. Um, but uh, as soon as you hear that someone like that who you knew passes away. You immediately think, when did I last speak to him? What could I have done? What could I have done? Um, when when we last had a ride, you know, could I drag him out? I know his mates were trying to get him out when he was going downhill, and they were coming to his door early in the morning trying to get him out for a ride. And you know, and and you know, I've got some other friends that have been through that. And I think what I've learned, Dermot, and maybe yourself, that um, uh, it's time to talk is the the theme of his uh, of Spud's game, where we raise some money for um, men's mental health, and uh, it's time to talk us about 
taking two minutes to call up a mate and see how they're going and then not just accept that, yeah, I'm good, mate, thanks, um, to really ask how they're going if you think that they might be going through some challenges. So I think personally I've got a list of friends, a mental list of friends that I like to keep in touch with um, just to see how they're going because I've got different things going on in their life and I think that Spud's legacy is that that many of us could be doing that. You know, Think about those that you haven't spoken to for a while that you think might have their own challenges and just make an effort to see how they're going. And, you know, in lockdown, I, I, I promise you, I've got three or friend, four friends that I know call me for the same reason, uh, just to see how we're going, uh, how I'm going. And I think that Spud has really helped people um, make that an okay thing to do. Yeah, he was an, an incredible character. We've already touched on how engaging he was. You've mentioned that you went, Riding the bikes with him, and uh, and that was where you post career probably got a better friendship with him in that area. Uh, we I, I remember when he was at Fox, he took some time off to to rectify where he was at emotionally and and mentally, and he came back to work, and I saw this bubbly character once again, and. Stupid me, still learning the, the world of, of this mental health. I went, up. Oh, he's fixed. He's fixed. He's good. He's back to normal. But it's not like taking a new engine out of the car, is it, and, and dropping in a whole new, brand new block and then and the thing will run for another 400,000 Ks, is it? it it's, it's something which needs constant upkeep. You, you still have to service... If the body's the vehicle, you still have to service the vehicle. Well, I mean, that's true, Damon, and neither you nor I are psychologists, but you learn that, don't you? You learn that you need to keep on to dealing with your issues and, and that Spud was doing that. You know, he was doing that, but as it turns out, it, it wasn't enough. So that's why it's so important to keep talking to your mates, talking to your friends and um, making that effort to not dismiss, uh, yes, I'm right, mate, quite as readily if you think there might be something else underneath because... Um, you know, lots of people going through these challenges in these times, and uh, and Spud was certainly one that said that. You know, you need to put your hand up and go and speak to someone, speak to your partner, or um, you know, speak to your mate. We have heard, uh, you know, he's got a beautiful family. Uh, young Chelsea, she used to work with us here in SCN. She's involved with you down at St Kilda's uh, ground there with the Danny Frawley Centre. She's been involved uh, helping set that up. That's a, a valuable resource and, and asset for the, obviously, for the continuation of the the, the wonderful Frawley name as a backer. Absolutely. And uh, Chelsea's a star in, at the footy club. She's so engaging. She works in the community team. You know, she still plays footy. She plays for old Halibri in the girls' team, uh, women's team, obviously. So she's... Um, she anything like the old man? Probably not. But she had fun and she had a smile on her face. <laughs> he, was, he was angry trying to punch the back of your head. Um, he got it a few times. Is, but, <laughs> no doubt. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, you know, at, you know, the, the women's footy and my daughter played for a year at school. It's just so much fun watching them play because, it, you know, at the elite level, obviously, they take it seriously. But at the... At the amateur levels, is more just about um, having fun and having a release. And so I've seen Chelsea do that. Um, I've seen her around the club. I know she's part of the community team working on Spud's game and other community programs in there. And she's a great asset. You know, the Saints are very lucky to have her. It'd be remiss of us not to actually mention, Just a, I just thought for a second there, how bloody good he was. I mean, the amount of games he played, <laughs> the position he played in a... In a team that had the ball coming down fairly regularly into his area. The thing that 
people don't really understand, Smithy, is it? That here you've got this bloke who's a big guy. He's around the 6'3 mark, maybe a touch more, and a big, big, hefty guy. When I first went out on the ground, I looked at him and thought, oh, I can turn him around. I can run the pants off him. He was an incredible endurance athlete. He was. And you know what? He's one of these people that whilst he was tall, he had a long upper body, and so his legs could really get going, um, and he had a long reach. So uh, he was very hard to beat. You know, he was captain of the Saints, I think, for eight or ten years over maybe a couple of hundred games, and he was leading a team of there's some real champions there who, you know, they got to the they got to the grand final and never won it. But, um, you know, some, uh, some great names have played under him, and it was his leadership and drive and uh, determination that set the tone for the footy team. People certainly followed him, absolutely. You know, the other, for all in name, that's had a big impact on all this is Anita and the way she stood up yes, uh, so proudly for the family and, and to speak on behalf of what Danny stood for. And I've been keeping in touch with her around what we're doing at the centre and what her vision was and is for it. You know, she's really to be admired for the way that she's contributing significantly in such a difficult time over the last couple of years. She will have a lot to do with how the, the centre ends up honouring the legacy of her late husband. I'm Dermot Burton and our guest tonight is Sean Ralph-Smith. As we go to the break, let's hear from Anita Frawley. And this audio is courtesy of the St Kilda Football Club website. Yeah, he was just so much fun and just enjoyed life and loved every minute of it. We were just an amazing team. We had a great friendship, did everything together. I just remember being, um, whenever we had it, we had a pact. Whenever we went somewhere, we were in, in a room together, we would always have each other's eye. We'd look out for each other and we had a pretty special connection. We talk about it at home that you know you, you feel him around you at times and his influence and he's certainly been around me and influencing me and the girls a lot. He just embodied that that mateship, that friendship, that that care, the care that we need to show each other is just I, th I think we've lost it somewhere and that's when it kind of formulated that we need a place where we can reconnect and talk about all the fun times that we had and, and our journeys and what we've been through um, because it is, we have to talk, we have to care, we have to be there for each other. From what it's done for my family, having that available to us and people to talk to is, I don't know how we'd get through, I just, I don't know how you step foot in front of each other each day. He would be just so proud and, and he would want to make a difference. I know that. He, he would not want anyone to suffer like he did or his families, their families, to suffer like we have. It's, he would be incredibly, incredibly proud, just like we all are. Welcome back to The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask, are you OK? Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You OK? I'm Dermot Brereton and our guest is Sean Melsmith. And tonight we're paying tribute to Danny Spud Frawley, one of Sean's former teammates and one of his beach road cycling companions. Sean Ralph-Smith, we saw earlier this season the Royal Commission into Victoria's uh, mental health system and it, and it showed that there were gaps there and it showed that there were certain sections all through society which needed some betterment. How is the world of mental health and ex-footballers, how is it getting better? Is it getting better? 
we'd love to say it's getting better because there's more awareness, but there's still plenty to do, I think, Dern. When we played and when I played, look, you were a high-profile player, so you could move into a role in into the media, and a lot of people think that might be the norm, but the majority of players don't. And when I was playing, it wasn't full-time, and so I still developed, went to uni and, and had a career that had started before I'd finished playing footy, and so I was able to go on and focus on that. Players these days are full-time, and, and, and it's really important that players are developing um, their skills and their careers outside of football for when it ends. But who knows when it's going to end? You know, I've got my son who's just signed another two-year contract. So he's given at least four years in the system. But who knows after that what's going to happen? And obviously, he'd love to play for 10 or 12 years. And over that time, maybe you can, you know, do a, do a degree and know where he's heading. But if it just ends after four years, what, what do players do? And there's everything in between from a champion who's played 200 games for 15 years and those that last two years in the system and their dream's over. Um, the Players Association does a lot of work to make sure that players are supported when they leave the game. But um, things like what we're doing with the Frawley Centre, specifically at St Kilda and other clubs, also need to take it upon themselves to um, make sure that they're um, looking after the players that they play to their club in their transition out of the game. And programs we can run at the Frawley Centre, creating a sense or a safe space, which was something that was identified in the Royal Commission to Victorians' mental health system. Um, there are not enough of them around. And that's part of what we're trying to create with the Frawley Centre so that people know where they can come, whether you're just in the community and, or, and a member of the club or just a member of the community or whether you've actually played at the club. Um, we're creating something that's going to be welcoming for everyone. So it's over a decade since I was on the uh, football club board, the Hawthorne board, and we had 43 players, 38 on the list and five uh, were rookies. Of those 43 uh, 42 were either outside of football, um, had part-time jobs, uh, worked honorary status in, in some organisations, had their own business already set up, or they were they were committing to some form of tertiary education. That, that's that's preparing for life after football, but these days the ability to go out and find a skill set other than being a professional footballer. It's not impossible, but it is more difficult with the time uptake in terms of a league football player now, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. I mean, you get given a day off a week, um, which is part of the collective bargaining agreement, but um, you can't actually get a lot done in that day if your uni course or whatever you're doing doesn't align with the day off, then it's going to be a challenge, although much of it's online these days just because of the pandemic. But, yeah, it is a challenge, and so you actually have to be committed. There's some really good people at footy clubs, you know, the player development managers at the clubs, the people at Richmond are amazing. Um, you know, Van Maric uh, is fantastic at Richmond. Tony Brown is amazing at uh, the Saints, Saints. Um, who I've seen and who we know. And funnily enough, Tony Brown used to be a teacher at Harlebury, and now he's been the player development manager at the Saints for maybe 10 or 15 years, and he's also the runner. He, he spends all of his time. He taught my son. Um, I think it, I think my son drove him out of Halebury. <laughs> well, funnily enough, he taught Hugo as well. But, you know, like, so he's been right through. He's played the game. And I think he's responsible for the well-being of the player in every aspect except for on the field. Um, and you can imagine that would keep him busy. Uh, and a lack of resources in the club these days because of the cuts and the soft cap means that um, a lot of those people are on their own or have less support. So 
they're critical roles. Uh, and I think that's where the Players Association comes in from the Saints, where we need to, you know, get a cohort of past players that can offer mentoring and support for players as they transition out of the game. And at the Saints, that's what we're trying to do as part of the past players. And, you know, Spud was heavily involved in that uh, just before his passing. He was about to get involved big time in trying to make sure that people would get given that support because that was, you know, a passion of his. So we need to continue on with the work that he started. I didn't know that. So, so Spud actually tried to pass on what he'd learned. Yeah, well, he was actively looking at, um, you know, as I understood, um, was going to take over from Russell Morrison leading a past players association at Saints um, and um, really drive some of that change. And he wanted people to feel welcome. He wanted people to come in and see some sort of memory of what they did at the club when they walked in. And um, I think that's what every player, I guess, would love, whether consciously or subconsciously, to to know that they were remembered and welcomed at the club. And they no doubt are. It's just about people not being aware of that and and um, facilitating the ability of people to, for people to walk back into the club that they left, whether it be five years ago or 25 years ago. Sean, can I ask you, in in finishing, if, if I'm a player, whether I play for... Moorabbin or is there a Moorabbin team? I'm not sure. Uh, if, if I play local footy or I'm in that catchment area, how do I go about reaching the Danny Frawley Centre? Well, our vision is that you'll be able to walk in, walk up the stairs and say good day to someone and, and ask them what's going on. You know, what programs are you running? What people have you got here to talk to? Uh, that'll be a safe space um, and a welcoming space that's inclusive for everyone. It needs to be an inclusive space, needs to be a safe space. So if people make the decision to walk in, then at least they'll get to talk to someone and we can point them in the right direction and let them know that they've made the right decision coming in. And I guess, Derm, in the, in the spirit of what Spud would say, you know, it's time to talk. I know that everyone um, goes through all their challenges. You know, I've recently had my ankle reconstructed and it didn't um, go so well. And, you know, when I take every step, my ankle still hurts and it's a real challenge. And those sorts of things sometimes um, can be a challenge and make you a bit flat. Um, I know you had a real problem with your back. Scotty was telling me about your operation Um and uh, that would have been really tough for you and put you in a bit of pain. Um, how are you going with all that? Is it um, is it recovered now? Is it yeah? yeah does it, it get you down? It's yeah, it's going all right. Um, yeah, getting better. Sort of learning ways to cope with it. So you're sort of adjusting all the time. And th- there was a, a period there when I reached about 45 years of age, about a decade ago, or a little bit longer now, um, where I just felt that I'm never going to take another step without feeling pain and and pretty well sort of learn to to live with that and but you don't project it onto other people the most important thing is i found when you're experiencing physical pain a lot of people can be like the you know the thorn in the lion's foot somebody else comes along and and you you project that anger and pain onto them as long as you can you know make sure that it stops with you uh, you can deal with it and talk to people about how best to get over it. Yeah, I've, I've found it's, it's you know, it's, it's quite, it's something you can, I'm, I'm tolerating these days so, and learning to deal with it better. It's a challenge though, isn't it? When you think, you know, you, you go through so much and in our day we play with injury, 
footy so much better now that they don't let the players do that, um, which is absolutely the right thing. But, um, you know, you get into your 40s and your 50s and if you've got pain with every step, it is a challenge. So there's there's no doubt lots of players out there that uh, put up with it and don't talk about it. So, um, you know, that would be another, another thing I would say that uh, if you, your footy mates, your old footy mates that are out there um, battling with those sorts of things, that's the sort of thing that's, that's in your subconscious can can get you down and you need to continue to get help to fix things um, and uh, to talk about the challenge that you, you face and finding other ways to stay fit and be feeling good about yourself when um, when those sorts of things are bothering you. But anyway, I just thought I'd check in with you, mate, and see how you Good on you. Yeah, well, the med- medicine of the mind is, is, is progressing probably a bit slower than medicine of the body, isn't it? I mean, you have a look at it. The amount of players who reach 300 games in AFL football, I think there was 30 by about 80 to 90 years, and then more than double have happened in the last 25 years. So medical, the, the medicine for rehabilitation is so much better. Now, that's grown exponentially, the knowledge of the medicine for the body, but medicine for the mind has always lagged behind. I feel like that's just taking off now. We're just growing in that area on how best how best to, to to assist the mind and and the betterment thereof. Absolutely, and I think that the Saints have really got to focus on that with their AFL teams, as well as the the centre that we're building for health and wellbeing, and linking the work that we're learning from uh, the work that Ben Robbins and others are doing with the elite team, and translating that into some programs for the community, so everyone can benefit from what we learn. Uh, and you're absolutely right. If you get injured. Um, you do rehab uh, physically injured. And if, if you've got an injury uh, mentally in one way or the other, we need to learn how to acknowledge it and diagnose it and, and treat it uh, before it becomes too much of an issue. And I think we are progressing a lot. Uh, I'm not an expert in this field, but I'm, I'm learning a lot about it. And I think that the Saints are going to do a great job in um, taking that to the next, next stage with the Frawley Centre and everything that that's going to stand for. Before we let you go, will, will Hugo play 22 next year? <laughs> I'd love him too, mate. Uh, he's training hard, um, absolutely, and uh, that would be his goal. But, uh, you know, if he played six games this year, I'd love him to get into double figures and start to establishing himself, but that's up to him. He's been given the opportunity at a great club, so let's hope so, mate. Let's hope so. Hugo Ralph-Smith at 22 years of age. Sean Ralph-Smith at 22 years of age. Who's the better athlete? Well, mate, he's a much better athlete. Uh, and I played my first game at 21 and, and he's only 19 and he's already played his first games and, and that's the change in the system these days. I played 100 in the twos and, and you either get in and make it and you make it make it or break it these days. So uh, he's been given his chance, but better athlete, better skills, um, but also more time to practice them, mate. So I would have loved to have been a full-time athlete. I guess you were because you could afford it back then, but not all of us could. So... Uh, uh, there's nothing better than the opportunity that AFL players have these days. And I'm, I'm enormously envious of him and, and others that get that chance. Uh, uh, final one for me. I remember talking to Mel Brown once and young Campbell was about to play his 17th game and he made a, a poignant remark because Mel only played 16 games of AFL, VFL. And somebody said, oh, he's going to take your title, Mel. He's... he's Today, he's going to be playing his 17th game. 
will, will you always be a better player than him? And his answer was fantastic. He said, uh, I think every retired football has a secret desire that they want to see their son become better than them. Is that how you feel? 100%. Good on you, Smithy. Great to chat, Dermot. Thank you. I really appreciate it. The Danny Frawley Centre for Health and Wellbeing at this stage, if everything runs on schedule, we're looking at an opening sometime in early 2022. But if you want more details, they are available at www.saints.com.au. Make a donation or follow the progress of the centre. If our conversation tonight has raised some issues for you, you can call Lifeline on 1311 14. That is 24 hours a day. If you've enjoyed this episode of the conversations that could for Are You OK and you'd like to share it with a friend or access the resources in our show notes, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dermot Brereton and we'll be back next week. And remember, when your mates bottle it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.